Hey guys, what's up? It's Corey from Lean Green Dad Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really excited about this episode. Today, we're talking to a mindful diabetic. Who are we talking to? Well, you'll just have to stay tuned. It's episode 83 of Lean Green Dad Radio. Let's go. everybody. Welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. From sunny Orlando, Florida, this is Lean Green Dad Radio, the podcast that provides fuel for families. And now, here's your host, Corey Warren. Hey guys, how's it going? Hope you're having an awesome week. This is Corey, and I am your host for Lean Green Dad Radio. I'm a husband, I'm a father of three crazy kids, and I'm a plant-based athlete. And if it's your first time listening to the show, thank you. Thank you so much for taking a second. We've got a great guest, and I can't wait for you to meet him. You know, each week I get to talk to some of the most inspiring people that I can find to help me stay fit and eat healthier and get the most out of life as a busy parent. Because for me, finding time to work out, make healthy quick meals for me and my family, and spend quality time together, it can be exhausting. It can be crazy, especially when we overschedule ourselves. So my hope is that by me getting a chance to talk to some of these wonderful folks, that you can take away some quick tips or inspiration that you can use in your life to help keep you and your family going strong. Now, about today's guest. Well, I mentioned a mindful diabetic. Well, the American Diabetes Association reports that 29.1 million people in the U.S. are currently living and have been diagnosed with diabetes. That's 9.3% of the population. Add another 8.1 million people who are living with diabetes and don't even know it. They're undiagnosed. 8.1 million. Add to that another 1.4 million new cases each year. And look, I don't have to tell you that this is a major problem, folks. There's two different types of diabetes. There's type 1 and type 2. And if you have someone in your life that's suffering from either one of these, you've got to send them to today's podcast. Today, we're talking to Robbie Barbero from The Mindful Diabetic. Now, he has a plan and a solution to help folks living with diabetes have a more enjoyable life and really thrive with health health by incorporating a healthy plant-based diet. And it's worked so well for him that he's, he's really got it down to a coaching science, specifically designed for folks that are living with diabetes. He used to work for the hugely famous Forks Over Knives franchise, and now he's helping folks all over the world make healthy lifestyle changes to help them make living with diabetes a bit more manageable. Now, I got to tell you, before we start and get into this podcast, Robbie was like a beam of energy just right out the gate, and I know he's probably listening to this now and cracking up because we're both so energetic and so passionate, but... This guy got on, and I'm telling you, he just kept talking, and I was like, dude, just keep going. Just keep going. So enjoy the first 50% of the podcast, which is totally Robbie. (laughs) It was Robbie just rocking and rolling. He's so passionate about this, and like I said, he used to work for Forks Over Knives, a wonderful organization, and uh, now he's just so wonderfully passionate about helping these folks all around the world to, to manage their diabetes. So I can't wait for you to meet him. He is Robbie Barbero, the Mindful Diabetic, episode 83 of Lean Green Dad Radio. Here we go.
Hey everybody, welcome to Lean Green Dad Radio. Today's guest is Robbie Barbero. And I just learned how to say his name correctly because he told me, but I have to tell you, this show is gonna be a little different than the rest because we're gonna dive into diabetes, type one and type two. Robbie runs The Mindful Diabetic. And this is something that I think if you are not intimately involved in diabetes, or if you don't have someone in your life who is touched by either type one or type two, you don't really have a full understanding of what these illnesses can do to you. Uh, they're, they're, they're disabling. I mean, they are horrible as far as uh, your, your lifestyle and your quality of life is concerned. And I feel like Robbie's found a way to unlock the happiness that enables you to live with diabetes. So with that, welcome to the show, Robbie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that intro. And I couldn't agree more. I, I feel agree with like the happiness concept of, you know, when you're, when you're living with type 1 diabetes, there is no way to, it's a tough disease. You can't, you can't just, it's not going to be perfect all the time, no matter how hard you try, but you can still live a happy full life and really enjoy yourself and not let it really bring you down. It's true. And you know, I, let's let's go back. I want to get into all this. I'm so excited to talk about it. I, w- I want you to tell your story. And usually, usually when I have people on that are like, you know, celebrities or vegan celebrities or whatever out there, like I don't really spend a lot of time on the intro thing, but I really want to give you a chance to intro yourself. That's not saying that you're not a celebrity. Okay, Robbie, <laughs> because with almost 50,000 followers, on your Instagram, uh, you are a celebrity. That's really but funny. I-, I want people that are not as familiar with who you are and what you do to, to know. So give us give us your story about how you became a champion uh, for for folks living with diabetes. You are such a positive guy. I just love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so okay, so I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was twelve years old, just about to turn thirteen. And my older brother has type 1 diabetes as well. So my family was very familiar with it. I, you know, I knew a lot about it. The whole diagnosis story was kind of funny. Uh, my parents were out of town. They were actually, we're living in Minnesota, and they were looking at homes in Florida because we were going to move to Florida, which we did move to Florida. And so the few weeks prior, I was complaining to my mom, you know, I think I have, I think I have diabetes just like Steven because I'm thirsty all the time. I'm going to the bathroom. This is crazy. And so my mom's like, no, no, you don't. Don't worry. And then so uh, my parents were gone and my mom called me in the morning to check in how things were going. And I told her I couldn't sleep last night. I'm up cramping all the time. And she's like, okay, go upstairs and use your brother's blood sugar meter. So I test myself and I'm like 400. So my brother's like, yeah, you pretty much have type one diabetes, pack your bags, you're gonna be going to the hospital for a few days. And then it didn't really hit me until we, we got to the, the regular doctor's office where you have to get diagnosed, you know, the regular physician. And uh, he does, runs a few tests and he says, yep, you have type one diabetes. And then my brother's in the room and he was crying and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen my brother cry. And he was like, you know, I'm just sorry you have to deal with all this. So then we go to the hospital, and I remember my parents flying back the next day, and they were like, you know, it's okay, don't worry about it. It's just an inconvenience, that's all. And that's the way my parents always uh, treated it, and it's never really that big of a deal. And I was always good at taking care of it. And in general, I would always measure my carbs. I was, 
I was uh, pretty athletic. I was playing tennis. I was a competitive tennis player as a child. That was part of the reason we moved to Florida. So, um, so yeah, so that was my, my diagnosis story. And then I slowly started to learn more about how I could take better care of myself. So I can just talk forever. I don't know if you want me to stop it. I mean, you let me know <laughs> if I'm going too long. This podcast could be too long. But anyway, so originally my, um, I started getting it. I had a standard American diet. I grew up with, you know, no special nutrition or anything like that. And my dad sold Herbalife supplements. And then eventually he started, he got into a company called USANA, selling those. And I, at some point I got curious and started learning about it. And then initially, I think it was after I was diagnosed with type 1. So I was always like, okay, how can I take better care of myself? And it all made sense to me. Like along my health journey, everything has made sense. So initially somebody's like, oh, well, you know, the soil's not very nutritious. So you need to, you need to take supplements. Okay, all right, you know, I can get sold on that. And then eventually it's like grass-fed beef is better than you know, the factory farm beef. Okay, all right. You know, don't use pesticides and, and you know, avoid, or avoid foods that have pesticides and additives and all that. Okay, that makes sense. So it was a small progression. And eventually I, um, the big change for me was this, this, like, this is like exclusive stuff here, Corey. Hey, like, I feel I very never, special. I don't think I've ever told these stories before. So anyway, <laughs> um, I read a book by, I was in high school, and I was at a Barnes & Noble just probably getting like Cliff Notes books or something for, for a class. And a book literally basically fell off the shelf for me. I don't know why I picked it up, but I did. And it was Kevin Trudeau's Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. Hmm. infomercial and it was a big thing uh, back in the day and I still have to go like grab the book myself and figure out exactly what the words are that I read but there was somewhere in that book where he said or insinuated that type 1 diabetes could be reversed and that one sentence that one thing sent me on an absolute conquest and um, it's just, it just, it, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I don't know how, I didn't know which way. Obviously the book was giving you lots of information of things of how to do things differently. And it's like, okay, that gives you hope. Well, if I do these things differently, you know, maybe I can be one of these people that actually reverses it. And the mindset has always been somebody, somebody had to run the four minute mile first. So my understanding is that at some point scientists, the smartest people in the world said, you cannot run a four-minute mile, otherwise your heart will explode. It's not physiologically possible. But then somebody did it. And then once Roger Bannister did it, now people do it left, right, and center. It's not a big deal. So, you know, that, that was always the belief. It still is to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, there's probably a whole other podcast about that. So, anyways, I, um, I start take, just doing everything I can. Like, every piece of information I can possibly find that says, okay, this is better, I, I will adopt it. I will do anything to try and be the healthiest I can be and eventually get rid of type 1 diabetes. So that I eventually, um, my dad, my dad was always into some interesting stuff and he had uh, like an herbal, uh, herbal connection with this guy in, in California, Northern California. It's like totally like not a professional operation. Like you're in a warehouse and this guy's <laughs> selling fish. That means it's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like these crazy herb supplements. So I started doing that, and I uh, started making these herbs and taking some pills, and it had a little bit of an impact, nothing really dramatic, but 
uh, I still had was keeping the faith and was like, I'm going to do this. And obviously he had told me that, you know, the Chinese guy, like he's telling you amazing healing stories and, you know, he's, anything's possible, you know, and try these herbs. Let's do it. So anyways, eventually um, it was like a big part of my life throughout high school. I was always, I was bringing my own food to, to lunch. I mean, I always ate like really pretty clean stuff. Of course, it was plenty of dairy, plenty of meat. I got into the Weston Price organization. So they advocate for uh, like grass-fed beef and raw dairy products. So, and they advocate bone broth and all healthy stuff. So, um, so I got into doing that and eventually, Things changed when I was on a website forum. It was called G Living. I don't think it exists anymore. And it was basically a high-end high green living website. You know, if you want to buy a nice expensive bamboo table for your house or something like that, really high-end. So I'm on that forum just talking to people. And I was telling them why I thought dairy was so healthy and why it was important for us to have dairy. This is what I learned from the Western Price people. Oh, and no. people on the board, they were really nice. And they were explained, they were like into uh, high fat raw foods. That's what the people on this board were into. And they were really nice. And one person suggested that I go watch the movie Earthlings. And at that time, Earthlings was free on Google Video. So I'm a freshman in college at the University of Florida at this point. And I go and I, I watch the movie. And at this point, I have like lots of grass-fed beef in the freezer. I'm making all my own food. I have all my own pots and pans. I do not get anything from the cafeteria. Part of the reason I felt comfortable going to the University of Florida is because they had a natural food store <laughs> really close to campus. That was a big deal. We were looking at schools. Mm -hmm. And so I watched Earthlings, and it just blew my mind. So Earthlings, for those who don't know, is an animal. It's basically an animal rights documentary that covers how animals are treated in food, clothing, entertainment, and I think there's some other aspects. But anyways, so it's an animal rights movie. I watched this movie, and it just it just floored me. And I'm sitting there telling myself, like, I think I'm, pr I'm a pretty smart guy. I got into a really good school, University of Florida. How in the world do I not know this information? How has this stuff been hidden from me? So I took that, and, like, I watched the movie, and I... I was sick the next few days, like physically sick. I tried to finish the meat and stuff that was in my fridge and I just, I couldn't really do it. And so I went back to the board and I was like, okay, you know, what books do you guys have on nutrition? Because now I was, I was open. I was I'm like, okay, wait a minute. These guys know something I don't know. So I'm willing to listen to the nutrition stuff. Cause for me, it's always been about nutrition. It's always been about you know, reversing the type 1 diabetes. I mean, that's, that's always been the goal. That's how I've gotten, I'll cover a little bit more, but that's how I've gotten to be so disciplined with my diet is because of, I have a reason and, and I have a, like a big reason. So right. anyways, so I go back to the board and they're like, they start sending me some raw food books. So at that time, this is, this is around September of 2006. And uh, the raw food world was a, was a pretty big scene back then. Things have changed a little bit. But uh, they sent me to um, get Dr. Gabriel Cousins. He has a book. Uh, there's a documentary he has. It's called Raw for 30 Days. I learned about Frederick Patnoud, Victoria Botanko. Uh, but the thing that really got me was the Gabriel Cousins stuff because he was talking specifically about diabetes. And so he has this documentary. 
And it's where I believe six people go to his health center in Arizona called the Tree of Life. And uh, one of the people in the movie actually is a type 1 diabetic. They didn't know that during filming. His name is Kurt Tyson. Um, and during filming, they, they thought he was, he just got diagnosed before he went to go to the movie. So they, so they diagnosed him as a diabetic. I think they told him he was basically a type 2 diabetic. But they didn't have his blood work given back to him yet. So he didn't. He didn't basically didn't have a C-peptide result. The C-peptide hmm. thing is that or a antibody test. Those are the major things that say are you a type one or are you a type two. So right. Kurt Tyson goes. He does. He's part of this movie, and during the movie, he like essentially reverses his type one diabetes. So he um, he had when he went back after the movie after he'd stopped taking his medication and had healthy blood glucose readings. He, um, he went back and realized his C-peptide test was technically underneath the threshold, which would diagnose him as a type 1 diabetic. So that's super inspiring. I'm like, okay. So I talked to Kurt Tyson on the phone, and he was really nice. He was supportive. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this Gabriel Cousins thing 100%. So Dr. Gabriel Cousins has a program. This is all in hindsight now. But his program is uh, super high in fat. So it's a raw food diet, very high in fat. And I did his program. I did it. He has like phase one, phase two, and phase three. I'm doing phase one. Do it to a T. And it's basically lots of cashews, oil, nut butters, some greens, a lot, just a lot of that plant-based fat. And I believe there's some supplements in there. So I do that. And for 28 days, I do his program. And I saw my insulin usage was the lowest it had ever been. And my, um, my blood glucose was, was pretty darn good. But then what the problem was, I had no energy. And I couldn't maintain it, and I'm on campus, and I'm basically having blackouts and just really struggling. So I kept on um, doing research and learning more. And eventually, I heard Dr. Doug Graham, the author of The 80-10-10 Diet, on a podcast. Uh, it, was, um, it was Raw Vegan Radio with Steve Prusak. It's so funny to talk about this stuff, Corey. It's, been it's a long great. Time. It's a great story. <laughs> Bringing me back down to memory lane. So I'm listening to this podcast, Raw Vegan Radio with Steve Prusak. Dr. Graham is talking about what he's up to. So the 80-10-10 diet is basically, it's, it's a raw food diet. And, but he's, t he's talking about eating fruit and it being very important for it to be low in fat. So this is all new information to me, very interesting. And on the podcast, his book had not come out yet. So the book actually came out in December 2006. So I, you know, I soak up the podcast. I go start reading his website, foodandsport.com, learning, okay, this makes more sense to me. Like, fruit's going to give me energy. Raw food's good. Like, I'm, I'm starting to learn about natural hygiene, which is a whole other movement, about the body being able to heal itself. And that's, you know, that we are really we all we're basically, we can be healing machines if we treat our bodies correctly. So I start learning about natural hygiene and um, then the, Dr. Graham's book eventually comes out and I read that book cover to cover in probably about a day and in that book was a testimonial from another type 1 diabetic, Cyrus Kambada. We're going to talk a lot more about him later on because him and I, we, uh, we're working together now. He's a doctor now, he's gotten a doctor since then doctorate and we do uh, online group coaching together but uh, so he's in the book so that's super inspiring about his story and his results and I started googling him and learn a little bit more and I do a consultation with Dr. Doug Graham 
So I emailed him, this is in December 2006, I emailed him every single day for 90 days straight. He emailed me back every single day for 90 days straight. It was the best investment I've ever made in my house, three month coaching program with him and we got to know each other very well. And um, that was the beginning of, and again, this whole, this whole time, I'm, I'm doing everything I can as a human being to say, what do I have to do to take ideal care of my body in order to allow my body to heal itself. That's the mindset. The mindset is still 100%. I'm gonna reverse type one diabetes. I'm gonna get off my insulin and I'm gonna share this message with the world. So that's my mindset. And looking back, that's how I see it's so easy for me to eat this incredibly clean diet, stay so disciplined on it, have absolutely no exceptions. Um, so we're talking for many, many years here. Literally, I would say the most unhealthy, in quotes, I'm saying, ingredient that I would eat that would not really fit on a completely natural hygiene type of program is something like arugula. I'm not even exaggerating. Eating arugula, to this day, eating arugula like heats me up a little bit. Natural hygiene people look at that and they're like, yeah, that's not really the, the greatest sign. You know, they'll, they'll say things like, you know, having onions, the fact that when you're cutting onions and they make your eyes water, it's a bad sign. That's what they say. But things have changed. You know, nowadays I eat, you know, my fair share of green onions and, and stuff like that. But anyways, the point is I was super disciplined sticking with this program. And I started out the first week, I ate nothing but bananas, just bananas, like a mono week of bananas. The second week, I ate bananas and lettuce. The third week, I started adding one fruit at a time. So cantaloupes, uh, grapes, papaya, and just really getting into this, the, the nuances of trying to be perfect. And now I'm a little bit more loose, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, natural hygiene, they'll say, you know, a mono meal is best because that's the simplest for digestion because, you know, less thing, you know, digestion it takes up the most energy. So if you want energy for healing, then you should you know, try and make sure every meal you eat is the easiest as can possibly be on your digestive system. So that's the whole concept behind mono meals. It's not that big of a deal if you add another fruit in there or a bunch of fruits. <laughs> Anyways, so I start doing that and it's a funny story. My grandmother was in town for Christmas and I remember Christmas dinner, I peeled all my bananas and I stacked them on a plate. So I come oh, no. downstairs to Christmas dinner with a triangular mountain of, of bananas. And, you know, at this point, my family was quite used to, uh, you know, my dietary things. It's been going on for many years. They're very supportive. And at this point, they just, I think they were just thinking, this is going to be a, a phase. There's no way this is going to last. <laughs> so... But you know, it sure did, and uh, it's been it's almost this December will be ten years, and uh, you know, it's uh, I, I pretty much the way I eat then is I eat very similar now, very very similar. Um, well, and now you say you were able to, or your goal was to reverse type one diabetes, but you still you still live with type one diabetes, right? Yes, I still do, absolutely. Okay, so it's not completely gone, and no, you can do whatever you want. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not even close. Right. That's just that's just a, it's a goal. It's some would say a pipe dream at this point. <laughs> but, but it's an amazing mentality to have, and I think that the mental part of it is so very important. And people underestimate how important it is to have the mental capacity to say to yourself. It's almost like a mantra. 
Like, you know, if you're running a marathon or you're, you're biking a long race, like having a mantra that, you know, whatever it is, I am strong, I am, you know, passionate, and I'm going to cross the finish line. You know, whatever it is, that finish line for you, whether it be, you know, eating a totally fruitarian diet or, you know, cutting sugar or whatever it is for you, that, that mental capacity that you need to have to get through that and not make little exceptions is is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in hindsight, with working with clients and and, and experiencing how how other people go through their transition and whatnot, I really have found that having a reason, a reason that means a lot to you, is is a huge game changer. And and in hindsight, I can see that's why it was so easy for me to adopt this lifestyle. And once you build the habit I and mean, you start doing something for a certain period, like a certain period of time, it becomes like second nature. I don't really think about it anymore. Yeah. And okay. So at the basic level in regards to diabetes, type one, you are born with, or it can be onset at a very young age. And then type two used to be called adult onset diabetes, but now we're seeing, you know, kids and the obesity rates are skyrocketing. And so type two diabetes, that, that is completely reversible. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, that's great to make that distinction here. So type one diabetes Nobody really knows exactly what causes it. You're not technically born with it. I got it when I was 12, turning 13. Um, Jay Cutler, he's a NFL player, NFL quarterback. I don't know who he plays for these days. But, Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but he, you know, he got diagnosed in his early 20s as a professional football player. Um, so it can come at any time. But um, you know, I have a lot of theories. We all have a lot of theories because if you're a type one diabetic, you know you. You find you, you want to you do anything you can to, to, to find a way to get rid of it. everybody you dream, but um, but there's a lot of um, some people who say so. The, basically, the common knowledge is the common belief is it's an autoimmune disease, and the body starts to damage its own beta cells in the pancreas. The beta cells produce insulin. It's a very small amount on the pancreas, so it's about one percent of the pancreas are beta cells, and those get damaged. The theory is by uh, your own body. Your own body makes a mistake and uh, destroys those cells and then the, the antibodies continue. And you know, there's a lot of, um, I need to do a little more research on it myself, but. Well, I mean, the basic idea though, I, I totally get what you're saying. It makes total sense. Yeah, but there's mixed information about whether or not the body can create its own beta cells and, and replenish them and then whether or not uh, antibodies continue to destroy it, destroy them or if the body just can't really produce more, it's up for debate. But what I'm saying is there are some people who have a theory that um, it's not an autoimmune disease. It actually, autoimmune diseases don't exist, that the body never uh, the, the damages itself or makes that mistake, that actually it's a virus of some sort or it's something basically attacked the body and, and that's what happened. And if that is the case, if there is some truth there, then that would lead one to start to believe, wait a minute, actually, I can, I, that can open up the door for really healing from it. So it's to be determined. Um, you know, it's, uh, I obviously do my best. Um, a person I've learned a lot of this information from is Anthony William. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, he has a, um, his whole thing is medical medium. So he, he recently just came out with a book called the medical medium. That's his website. Uh, he's not a, a doctor or anything like that. He, he hears information from spirit, which is a little bit crazy, a little bit loopy, 
But um, it's really interesting stuff, and um, got to know him really well, and really, um, I'm, I'm applying a lot of, again, like back to my old days of trying to do the herbal teas and, and heal, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing his, his program, which includes some supplements. It's actually not something I really talk about very much. It's not on my social media. It's not on my YouTube or anything like that. Maybe I'll get more comfortable talking about more down the, down the road. But it's just one of those things where I can't, I can't prove it to anybody. I, so to, to, tell, to suggest people, and I know people that are following me, and they're, they're, some people get inspired, they want to do something what I do, and for me to necessarily suggest, hey, you know, spend all this money on supplements, and I can't prove anything's going to happen, you know, it's, it's interesting for me. So I'm trying, yeah. it, um, but you know, at the end of the day, what I do focus on is I focus when I, in my teachings is the stuff that I know works and the facts. So, and that's how to reverse insulin resistance, which is affects type one and type two. So type two diabetes, like you said, that's a lifestyle condition. And Dr. McDougall, I love what he says. He says it is a hundred percent curable. It's a hundred percent reversible. And I agree with him a hundred percent. The only times when it's not, uh, and where people have challenges is if they've done so much damage that they're really more like a type 1.5 or type 1 diabetic. And the way you know that damage is you can, you can do some tests to see what your C-peptide level is to base, that shows how much insulin are you producing. So a C-peptide test will show somebody how much, pain, how much insulin their pancreas is producing. You can also do some insulin tests. But um, yeah, so type 2, 100% curable, 100% reversible with diet and lifestyle. And um, yeah, we didn't even, I mean, we, the whole key here is Corey, I don't know where you want me to go with this. I can just talk forever. But sure. the whole key is, it's, it's what I've done here. So when I started doing the, the thing with Dr. Graham, learning about the 80-10-10 diet, it, this whole thing is about low fat. It's low fat, plant-based, you know, high carbohydrate. So yep. that's why, um, that's how you can reverse type 2 diabetes. So type 2 diabetes is caused by, by insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is when you have uh, fat stored in tissues that are not designed to store fat. And when you clear that out insulin, and you're producing insulin, then insulin starts working properly and the disease is, uh, is reversed. Well, talk to me about, and thank you for that, because I think the distinction between type 1 and type 2, it, it's something that, again, if you're not familiar with it, you need to know. But I wanted to go back and talk about one of those things that you mentioned. That's family support. Mm. Right. Anytime that you have a huge lifestyle change and boy, it doesn't get much more extreme than a massive triangle mound of bananas, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Especially but, when I mean, you're a diabetic. Oh, my goodness. So uh, how did your family respond to it? How did you help? Did you ease them into it or are they just kind of like, oh, that's Robbie. That's how he is. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this and brought me back to that, because um, the reason the funny thing is when you're a type 1 diabetic, you get instant feedback. You know exactly how much insulin you're taking. You know exactly what your blood glucose is like four to eight times a day. Instant feedback. So they could not argue with the results. I mean, this guy is sitting here eating a mound of bananas, taking less insulin than he was before. He's like quadrupled his carb intake. And then over a short period of time, my skin got way more clear. I didn't even go over that. So... I, growing up, I had terrible acne and it ended up getting on one of the most severe acne drugs you can be on, which is Accutane. Yeah. They won't put you on that until they've tried everything else. They make your parents sign some paperwork because people like commit suicide on that drug. So I had terrible acne. And when I started doing the fruit-based thing and eating the 80-10-10, I mean, my skin like it never looked better. I mean, 
it's not like I have amazing skin or something, but it's compared to what it was before. It was, it was dramatic. And I always had allergies. I was on Claritin D. I had this plantar's fasciitis in my feet. I would wear these blue boots at night to, to stretch my feet. Oh. So, you know, well, on my healthy eating pattern, these things went away. So, and, but they always, they definitely thought it was weird. They, they fought me for, I wouldn't say they fought me, but they made jokes about it for years. Like this didn't, it didn't happen overnight, but I, I could always keep on saying, look at the results. Um, as a type one diabetic, um, my highest A1C the entire time of doing this was a 6.4, which is great for type one diabetes. Um, and my lowest one's 5.8. Um, it's been there many times. My recent A1C is 5.8. So um, the results really speak for themselves. My insulin sensitivity, the amount of insulin I'm taking, you know, my overall health and happiness. So results have sort of spoken for themselves, although my, parent, my family still continues to think I don't get enough protein and that I'm too thin. So it's fine. You win some, you lose some. It's all oh, that 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 protein debate's always going to be there for vegans and you know fruitarians, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, so. pretty much. Well, I have to tell you, you know, because of because of that, I guess stereotype about you know vegans not getting enough protein, which is just totally a myth. Um, I've decided to do uh, less endurance training, less mm-hmm. endurance sports, and start lifting. That's great. And so I am consuming thirty five hundred calories roughly uh, on a light day of uh, plant-based foods and That's that awesome. is healthy fats healthy nut butters um lots of avocados and bananas and um i've gained eight pounds in two months just wow. by doing that and you um, training hard right oh yeah sick i train six days a week i'm lifting six days a week um doing it under the supervision of one of my friends who's a vegan bodybuilder and um also taking some supplements, but they're just supplements to help protein synthesize in my body faster so I can really get 100% usage of the protein, you know, just digestive enzymes, vegan digestive enzymes. And um, it, it seems to, it's just wonderful. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. So I want to be this representative of the, of the vegan plant-based community that has a little bit more muscle. You That's know? awesome so, that you're doing that. Do you know Jackson Foster from Plantriotic? No, no, I have to you look him have up. To get him on the program, he has an amazing story of doing the same thing. It, he was very thin. You know, he's a he's really he's very much like he's an animal rights activist. He wanted to be a good example of that, and um, now he he transformed his body. It's funny that he actually gained a ton of muscle on eating nothing but fruit, but just pounding a ton of calories. Yeah. Um, and to this day, he I don't think he adds any special protein powders or anything, and he's he's a great example. Very cool. Well, I'll check it out. And you know, there's people out there like the 300 pound vegan, David Carter. Yes. I mean, there's so many people out there that are doing it. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of got uh, a little, a little tired of the training. I mean, the training for the Ironman triathlon is just like, just day after day, yep. just beat you up. So right. what, now what are you doing as far as uh, your sports? Now I know you ride your bike to work every day, but yes. are so are you a rider? Are you running? What what are you up to? That's a great question. Um, so growing up, uh, tennis was my thing. So I right. I would play a lot of tennis in the summer. It's you know like six hours a day. Um, during the school year, it was after school practice, probably two two hours, then train for another hour. It, I was it was a serious commitment. I was definitely a competitive tennis player. And I got away from that uh, since in college and since working in my full-time job. So I, to, 
it's varied over the years. Currently, I try to be very efficient. I was actually training with Jim Morris, the legendary bodybuilder at Venice, uh, the Gold Gym in Venice. It's an amazing place. I love working out. So I go there pretty much five days a week right now. Arnold Schwarzenegger's there all the time. I just got a picture with him and put him in my recent vlog on YouTube. I saw that. I saw that. Um, so I go there and I have he Jim Morris created a little program for me um, where you know one day it's like a push-up cycle, another day is a, a leg cycle with a couple of machines, and then um, and then there's like a, a pull-up um, and dip type of cycle. So I kind of have those things, and I, I incorporate that. And I also do sprints on the treadmill. So to me, the working out, I don't really have any specific goals in regards to activity or sports or my body or anything like that. To me, I just work out. I move my body because it's good for type 1 diabetes. It's good for insulin sensitivity. Um, that's the main thing. So I do what has the, the biggest bang the least amount of time. And sprinting on the treadmill, getting that heart rate up for just – just a couple sprints. Like I'll sprint for two minutes and I walk for two minutes. I sprint for two minutes, I walk for two minutes. Do that for like, you know, maybe five or six times. And that has a, like a consistent dramatic impact on my insulin sensitivity and how much insulin I'm going to need and how steady my blood glucose readings are going to be over the next 24 hours. So I just do that and a little bit of weights just to, you know, Weights aren't my thing, Corey. You know, I'm. It's okay. They, they were... I, I feel like it would be better for me to put some muscle on me, but it's just not my thing. I mean, you know, it took me. It's been like 15 years since I've been in the gym like this, and I do all my workouts at home. You know, prior to this, everything was at home, um, and I have like a 40 pound sandbag that I'll like do pull ups with and stuff like that. But that that's good for like maintenance, you know, like I can maintain where I'm at, Yeah, yeah. but I, I want to go like above and beyond. And apparently from what I'm reading and understanding is the only way to do that is to lift really heavy mm. weights. So as long as I do it safely and you know, yep. don't I have proper form and, and stuff like that, I'm fine with it. But uh, it is funny in the yeah. gym with those people that like just massive people. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you people? I don't see you in like the grocery store. Like, Seriously. And I said that to one of my friends who's a personal trainer. I'm like, I don't I don't know where these people are. I never see them in public. He's like, that's because they're at the gym all the time, dude. And I'm like, okay, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. And I love I love when people wear um, like special gym clothes to the gym. Like they have like. I don't know what it is. Like these, some dudes wear um, these tight pants. Have you seen like these tight I, pants? I have seen that. And they wear it under their shorts. And I'm yeah. like, is that cool? <laughs> so I purposely, like, I have a Ninja Turtle shirt that I'll wear to the gym. Like, and I'll work out in it on purpose because, like, I don't have any gym clothes and I'm not going to invest in gym clothes just to get them, like sweaty and bring them home and wash them and wear them. <laughs> That's so funny. That's great. I don't know. I don't know. So, anyways. Um, how do you feel? You know, we talked a, a tiny bit about supplements. Do you take like a B12 or anything like that? Yeah, great question. So the supplements I take right now is yes, I've I've always I've taken B I take B12. There was a period of time where I didn't take B12, and it got low. So I did the whole MMA homocysteine <clears throat> B12 trifecta. If you really want to see what's going on, you got to do all three, and then uh, based on those numbers, you can tell if you're if you should supplement. And it was clear that I should supplement. So <clears throat> uh, I do the B12. Um, what other supplement do I do? Okay, so the rest of the supplements so f come from Anthony William and, and his recommendations. So something I'm trying, I'm experimenting with, I'm in 100%. Um, you know, I, I'll tell people straight up, like I, I believe the guy. I believe him 100%. I actually I think he's right. I don't think the body 
uh, destroys itself. I think I don't think autoimmune diseases are technically a thing. I think it actually is viruses and stuff like that. And I think that there are some uh, underlying viruses that a lot of people have. It's kind of like a hidden epidemic. But anyways, it's not it's not my main teaching right now. So supplements I take from him. I take zinc, and I have a uh, like two two scoops of spirulina every day. Okay. okay. And he is a huge proponent of wild blueberries. So I'm supposed to have wild blueberries every day. And there is a tea that I make. So I take um, two tablespoons of um, shisnander berries, elderberries, and one other type of berry. I forget. Um, I can go I'm look. just impressed that you were able to say shishinian. Yeah, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> so then I soak it in water overnight. It's eight ounces of water. I put the scoops in the water, and then I strain it, and I drink that tea every morning. So that's nice. the extent of my supplementation. That's great. That's great. I think that, you know, it, it's neat. The, the B12 thing is always, like, you know, interesting to talk about, but even T. Colin Campbell, I mean, Dr. Campbell takes a B12 supplement. Yeah. He says it's because his wife makes him take it. <laughs> that's funny. We had him on the show. He's like, oh, my wife makes me take a B12. But, uh, <laughs> that's great. I don't think it's necessary, but I still take it because my wife says I have to. That's you know? really funny, yeah. He's I think guy. it's one of those things where, you know, people, you could debate it all you want, but at the end of the day, the, the benefit to risk ratio, like the risk of taking, I, I talk about benefit to risk like all the time in almost all decisions, but... Uh, for health, but in this case, the risk of taking a B12 supplement is so low, and the benefit of not having some some damage is just like do it. And it's not even that expensive. If you're a vegan, if you're not eating any animal products, uh, you know you could make the argument that you don't need to take the added supplement if you're having supplemented foods like soy milk or nutritional yeast or whatever. You know that's fine too, but you got to make sure you're getting something in. And yep. if you're not, then you better get tested. At least once a year, do, your, do the trifecta, homocysteine, MMA, and B12. What is MMA? You know, it's a great question, Corey. I don't, even, I don't know the details. Mixed but, martial arts is what I uh, know it as. <laughs> I think it's meth- <laughs> methylmalonic acid. That's, okay. that's what it stands for. Okay. If you ask me to go much further in the scientific that's... knowledge, I got nothing for you. That's okay. Hey, and it, at least you know. I mean, I, yeah. sometimes I make stuff up and that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's get into Mindful Diabetic. How can people find you? Where can they go? And then what's the process like? I know that you have a free consultation where people can sign up and talk to you. And then do you build the plan based on that individual or is it kind of a three different tiers you can choose from how does it work okay great great questions all those so i started mindful diabetic and i I, when i was in college i started a a non-profit i called it robbie barbero inc which was stupid (laughs) i had i had a tagline these videos still exist they're on youtube i didn't take them down or anything my tagline was type 2 diabetes is a choice make an educated decision that is like the worst tagline ever. You're insulting the very people you're trying to help. I mean, that is. Oh no. So, anyways, I I was I made YouTube videos. I was this is before you you could even this is before there were there were ads on YouTube. I don't think there were ads. This is before you could monetize a video. Like becoming a YouTube partner was a big deal. I was one of the first people to be a YouTube partner, and this is all in in uh, in college. And um, I did some coaching back then. It was really fun. And then I, um, 
I got hired for with Forks Over Knives. This is before the documentary was released. I'd done an internship before then. So I left. I went. went I moved to California uh, to work with Forks Over Knives and release the movie. And it's amazing how things have blown up since. It's been really fun. But so I did that, and I stopped doing my all the stuff I was doing on YouTube. I stopped doing my nonprofit stuff, my diabetes education. I just put it on pause. And really, the the mindset was at that time was like. I just want to help diabetics. I want to have the biggest impact I can. And putting all my time and energy towards the Forks Over Knives project was going to reach a heck of a lot more people than I was going to reach with my nonprofit at that time. In hindsight, I never should have stopped. I should have just done a heck of a lot less and just kept things going because I watched uh, all my good friends and my best friend uh, use that window to blow up on social media, Fully Rock Christina. She's doing amazing. So uh, proud of her and all the, the consistency she's done over the past five or six years. It's amazing. So anyways, I'm just trying to tell people, I was on YouTube before everybody else was on YouTube, Corey. I was there, okay? Amazing. So anyways, uh, eventually, um, I, so I actually reserved the Twitter username. You can go on Twitter and see when my account was created. My Mindful Diabetic username was created in 2011, and that's when I started working for Forks Over Knives. And I didn't do anything with it. And then eventually, uh, about, I'd say, two years ago or so, probably a little less, I, um, I decided to get back in the game and, and share this stuff. Because I just love I just There's nothing, I mean, you know, doing this podcast and working with people, there's, there's just nothing better, more gratifying than touching an individual like, and, and, and talking to them. You know, like one-on-one, one-on-one or in a group or whatnot and seeing them, you know, just apply it and get the results. There's nothing better. I mean, nobody, somebody wants to make me happy and, and do, do something for me. The best thing they can do is just apply this, just yep. apply it, just do it and yep. show me, show the results that that's the best thing you can ever do for me. So I love it. I got back into it. Started, I started posting things on social media, on Instagram. Um, I make some YouTube videos. Uh, I post on Facebook. Uh, my Instagram has has grown pretty well, mainly because I live in Santa Monica and I have access to the most amazing fruits and vegetables, just buying all this stuff and just taking a picture and putting it on social media is like, it's the lowest amount of work. It's yes. the easiest. It's so true. When doing, a, doing all the work and full time at Forks Over Nines, that was the platform easiest for me to grow on. Um, but YouTube, I really love YouTube. So I plan to do a lot more YouTube in the near future here. Um, so yeah, so I created Mindful Diabetic uh, to share and, and really inspire people and, and do coaching. I want to help people. So I do private coaching. So yeah, you're right. People can set up a, if, people, if somebody's interested in coaching, um, they can set up a 30-minute call with me and I learn as much as I possibly can about them in that window, uh, answer whatever initial questions they have. And if they're fit for one of my programs, uh, I tell them about it. So the main, I do, I do private coaching if somebody is super, some people, they're super busy and they just, they don't want to be in the group. They don't want to listen to other people's stuff. They don't want to learn from that. They just want their questions answered. They want to get it done and they want to get out. And that's fine. Totally cool. I do private coaching for that. But the thing I love the most, it's the most exciting, is the online group coaching. So I, everything is pretty much over the phone. If somebody lives in LA, of course I see them in person. But the online group coaching, I do this with Dr. Cyrus Kabata, the guy I told you about earlier. He's been doing this low-fat, fruit-based, plant-based nutrition for 13 years. I've been doing it for 10. He got his doctorate from UC Berkeley uh, in nutritional biochemistry. 
And we do this online group coaching together and absolutely love it. So each week we get on a video conference. We have different groups for type 2 diabetics. It's a different video call. Type 1 diabetics is another video call. And we get on these video calls every week and we all see each other face to face from all over the world. And people love it. I mean, the opportunity, a lot of type 1 diabetics aren't connected with other type 1 diabetics, let alone be connected with another type 1 who's doing a low-fat plant-based diet and setting these same goals and trying to live healthy and moving their body. So people love it. So we have that. Then we have an online course with that program where people, you log in, you go through it at your own pace. Um, it has all the lessons you need. So the type 1 diabetes lectures, they have like insulin injection sites. How do you manage your insulin and glucose before, during, and after exercise? Uh, figuring out your basal rate. Very niche, uh, not niche, specific stuff for type 1 diabetics. Same thing for the type 2 uh, course. So we have that. And then we have a private Facebook group. And that's where we all share recipes. They ask People ask questions. People post pictures of them exercising. Really just inspiring, supportive environment. So that's how my whole, that's, that's, I mean, that's what I'm most excited about. That's what I do. That's, um, I'm moving into doing coaching full time. I'm, I'm leaving Forks Over Nines. It's been so amazing. I, I can't even, can't even put into words how great that time has been. But this is, this is my passion. I love it so much. And um, I'll be doing it full time uh, very soon here. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, in case you missed it, everybody, it's mindfuldiabetic.com is the That's website. It. And uh, Robbie, where else can we find you on social? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Username is mindfuldiabeticrobbie. I'm on YouTube. That username is mindfuldiabeticrobbie. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr, but I don't really use those that much. The best place to really connect is Instagram and YouTube. Uh, you go to my website, my, like Corey said, mindfuldiabetic.com, and you can sign up for the newsletter, and I will share all that. Uh, we have. I do retreats. We've done three retreats in the past year. Absolutely incredible. There'll be another one coming up. So we'll announce that on our newsletter. So yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Hey guys, what's up? It's Corey back in the studio. Wasn't he a great guy? God, Robbie's just such a positive dude and uh, just such great energy. So definitely go check him out. But uh, hey, listen, thanks for making it through another episode of Lean Green Dad Radio, but don't let your experience end there. Make sure you visit us online over at leangreendad.com. You can also check out our free grocery shopping series. We have a three-part series where I take you through Whole Foods and let you know what I get on my grocery list. In addition to that, we've got, uh, of course, our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. So go check us out. Again, leangreendad.com. And until next week, my friends, this is Corey saying keep going that extra mile for your family. See you next week.